Good morning, good news. My name is Logan Collerick, and if you don't know me, uh, that's okay, because I've only been here for two weeks. Um, but I am the new student ministry director here for the Wildwood campus. Um, we have a picture here of my wife, Sarah, and our daughter, Ellie. Um, they're pretty awesome. <laughs> um, got a couple of announcements for you this morning. Uh, first, if you're new or visiting, we're so grateful that you're here with us, uh, so welcome. In the seat backs in front of you, there is these connect cards. If you would grab one, uh, fill out as much information as you feel comfortable with, and put it in the boxes in the back as you leave the auditorium this morning. There's also an option at the bottom to check if you would like to have lunch with a pastor. Um, so that's super, super cool and super important for getting plugged in with the church. Next, um, we have our Discover Good News class is coming up. This is our new membership class. If you've been coming for a while here or if you'd like to know more about what we believe and who we are, um, this is your next step. We have two opportunities to come Saturday, July 15th and Wednesday, July 19th. Again, mark that on your Connect card and tell us which, um, which of those two opportunities that you plan to come. Very much appreciate that. And then lastly, this is super exciting, we have Super Sunday coming up. So every fifth Sunday of a month, we have this opportunity to all get together and do this cool event as an entire church body. So on July 30th, we're going to have a Super Sunday cookout. Um, I don't know what 50s casual wear means, but maybe some of you do. There's some of you that are a lot older than I am, so you might know what 50s casual wear is. But, um, yeah, so we're going to have hot dogs, hamburgers, some water games. So if you want to get a water gun, go to town on that. Um, if you want to plan on staying dry, we're going to have tailgate games as well. But this is an awesome opportunity to invite somebody that you've been thinking about inviting to church, um, the coworker, somebody that you're a friend with, somebody in your family, uh, this is an awesome opportunity to invite them. All right, as Smiley comes forward, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the air in our lungs this morning, the very air that we used to praise you, to sing songs of worship to you, God. We pray that through today's service that you would ultimately be glorified. This is all for you and about you, God. We pray that through Smiley's words that uh, you would use those to land fresh on our ears and to um, point us towards you, God. Help us to be receptive to what you would have to say to us today and help us glean something uh, huge today from you, Lord. We love you. It's because you first chose to love us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Logan. So good to have you. Logan was right, too, on making the 50s clarification. One of my favorite commercials is at 70s night at a bar. And a guy shows up wearing 70s clothes, but then he goes in the bar and everybody's in their 70s. <laughs> so the 50s, is that uh, the age of the people or is that how you're supposed to dress? That's really important to know. Hey, um, we had Vacation Bible School a couple of weeks ago and wanted to thank the team. We had so many people who served for the first time and people who came back and served. And thank you, all you who helped make that such an amazing, amazing week. It was so good. Uh, that is my favorite week of the year when so many people work together to welcome children. Um, we're excited this week, too, that we saw two people who put their faith in Christ, and we rejoice with that. <clears throat> Hopefully, when you came in this morning, you were given a study. If you didn't get one and uh, would like one, if you'd just raise your hand, we'd have one of our ushers would, would bring you one because 
Uh, we have, uh, it is a disciple-making tool. If, if you didn't get one, would like one. Would you please uh, raise your hand? There's some, someone. Um, anybody else got their hand up? That's... All right. Now, if you would open it up, it is a, uh, there is a, on page 12, there's a place for message notes. If you hear anything you'd like to write down and so there's a place for message notes in here. There is, um, there is our small group queue. You can do that before you head to small group. And then, listen, there is a Bible reading plan here. We're reading through Romans and having a wonderful time. We'd love for you to join us. The plan is four days a week. That way you can miss a few days and not get behind. But, boy, it, it's really special when we read God's Word together. And, and Romans is an amazing time. It's, it would be great for you to, to join us in that. Now, this morning, our scripture reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, and if you have your Bible, turn there with me, and if you don't bring a Bible uh, with you, it's so good to get to know God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the lobbies, you could pick one up. But in 2 Timothy 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus... To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul is writing this to Timothy, and I can identify with Timothy because Timothy is a coward. Anybody else in here struggle with, with courage? Man, I do. And you say, well, well how? Well, I, <laughs> I remember many years ago I asked Karen if she would marry me, and much to my surprise, she said yes. So, so then I wanted to talk to her parents and ask her dad. So Karen does all the hard work. She arranges us to, to have breakfast together, and I go, and I just, I couldn't do it. And why would a dad entrust me with the daughter that he loves so much? So we, we go out to breakfast, and I don't get through, I don't ask. And so then we go back to her home, and I'm delaying and delaying, and finally, Karen has had enough. So what she says is, Dad, Smiley has something he wants to ask you. <laughs> and you know what she did? She just pushed me out into the deep end. She just pushed me out there and said, sink or swim. And, um, you know, being a spiritual giant, I said, Lord, help me. And then I asked him. And much to my amazement, he said, yes. And I, I've tried my best to take good care of his daughter because I know how much she means to Dad. Uh, and what we're going to read this morning is a lot like that. We're going to see that the Apostle Paul pushes Timothy into the deep end of the pool. He pushes him into the deep end of the pool and says, listen, you need, to, you need to swim or you're going to sink. And some of you need to be pushed out into the deep end, just like Karen pushed me out and just like Paul is pushing out Timothy. To give you the background for that, the book of Acts ends and uh, Paul is in prison, but it's believed that he was released from prison. He was released from prison, and he traveled on, and, uh, and, and he, left Paul in, or he left Timothy in Ephesus to be the pastor there, and then Paul was arrested the second time. He was second imprisonment, very different. In the first imprisonment in Acts, he kind of was under house arrest. It wasn't too bad. His friends came to see him. But in 2 Timothy, oh, it's different. He's in a dungeon. He's chained, and he knows that very soon he's going to be executed. It's now 64 A.D., and Caesar, Nero is Caesar, and, 
And so Paul would be beheaded and, and Peter would be crucified. You know why it was different? That the Romans only crucified who? Non-citizens. And so Paul was a Roman citizen and so he was beheaded while Peter was not a Roman citizen and he was crucified. But this is his last letter. It's his last words. It's the last opportunity that he has to, to push Timothy, to push Timothy out into the water. Paul has been doing this for 30 years. For 30 years he's been preaching the gospel. And, and Timothy, kind of like me, he's kind of a coward. He's young. Um, he's sickly. And Paul says, man, it's your time, it's your time, it's your time. And so as we walk through uh, 2 Timothy, here's how Paul is going to push Timothy out into the deep end in us. Uh, we're going to see in chapter 1 what Paul really says is guard the gospel. It's precious, it's precious. Guard it with everything you have. And then in chapter 2, he's going to say, suffer for the gospel. The gospel is so precious, it's worth suffering for. Suffer for the gospel. And then he's going to say, continue in the gospel. Never leave the gospel behind. Continue in the gospel. And then in chapter 4, in chapter 4, he's going to say, listen, uh, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. And Paul is encouraging Timothy in this passage. And what he's saying is, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And he says, the reason you can do it, Timothy, is you've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given the Holy Spirit. And, and that's the point of today's message. The point of today's message is Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. And so listen, as I push you out into the deep end, you can swim. You can guard. You can suffer. You can continue. You can preach the gospel because God has given you the Holy Spirit. Oh. Do you know what the setting was like at this time? See if this sounds familiar. What were things like in the Roman Empire? There was moral and theological confusion. This letter was written during a time of moral and theological confusion. Doesn't that sound like our day? Uh, it was written in a time of apostasy where many people who once professed faith in Christ were wandering away from the faith. Doesn't that sound like our time when, uh, when people deconstruct their faith? It was a time of growing hostility, a growing hostility to the gospel. Doesn't that sound like our time? And so Paul is saying, listen, you can do this. You can do this. You've been given the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. The word apostle means a sent out one. And in a very broad sense, all of us who are Christians are apostles in the fact that we're sent out. We're sent out to share Christ with others. But it's used here in a very theological and technical sense that the apostles were the eyewitnesses to Jesus after he rose from the dead. And Paul was one of the twelve, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul was not seeking Jesus. Jesus sought and saved him and gave him a purpose. According to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, the gospel offers us life. To Timothy, my beloved son, Paul had led Timothy to faith in Christ many years earlier. He had discipled him. 
Paul or Timothy had been with Paul on so, so many of his missionary journeys. He was his closest friend, most trusted co-worker, and now he's pastor in Ephesus. And he says, grace, mercy, and peace. Huh. Three pregnant theological words. If we really want to understand the gospel, it's so important that we understand what grace is and mercy and peace. Uh, and what those three words do is they talk about the bad news of the gospel and say, cheer up, we are way worse than we ever imagined. And then grace, mercy, and peace say the good news is so much, listen, God's love is so much greater than we ever imagined. Take grace. Grace is God's love expressed to ill-deserved, ill-merited people. If you want to understand grace, think of the parable of the prodigal son where a son said to his dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money now. Grace is God's love expressed toward ill-merited, ill-deserved people. Mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is God's love expressed toward helpless people. Toward helpless people. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? Remember, the robber had not, or the robbed man had done nothing wrong, right? But he was, he was what? He was robbed. He was beaten. He was bloody. He was helpless. And if he was left there, he would die. And so the Samaritan comes along and shows him mercy. Mercy is God's love expressed toward helpless people. And peace, um, there was an open hostility between us and God. We were living in rebellion against God, and Jesus brings peace. Oh, the gospel. Didn't we read about that this week in Romans? Remember when we were in Romans 5? Um, I mean, the gospel says, cheer up, folks. We are way worse than we ever imagined. So when we were in Romans 5, verse 6, remember we read for a while we were still, what? Helpless. See, that's why we needed mercy, because we were helpless. We could not save ourselves. It's not just that we have sin, we are sinners. At the right time, Christ died for the, what? Ungodly. We needed grace. We are all just like the prodigal son. God, I wish you were dead. Don't tell me how to live. I'll do life my way. A sin is a crime against God. We need grace. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, we had sin, we were sin, we're living in rebellion against God, and what we deserve from God is his wrath. Oh, but the gospel doesn't just say cheer up. We're much worse than we think. It says cheer up. God's love is so much greater than we ever imagined. For a while... We were still helpless, dead in our sins, hell-bound. While we were still helpless, when we couldn't save ourselves, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who ever heard of such a thing? For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward me and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know what changed my life? It seemed like with my friends all the time I had to earn their love. 
And Christ died for me while I was living in rebellion against him. And that changed everything. It's grace and mercy that changes people, right? Jesus loved us so much that while we were living in rebellion against God, he took our sins upon himself, died in our place, and he rose on the third day. And you know what he offers us? Grace. He offers sinners the forgiveness of sins. He offers us mercy that if we would believe in him, he would give us the Holy Spirit so we could live a whole new kind of life. He offers us peace that we could be at peace with God, that hostility would cease and we could do life in eternity with him. And what does he require of us? Didn't we read that in Romans 5.1? Therefore, having been justified by faith, Listen, we're made right by faith, not by our good works, by faith. What that means is the moment we put our faith in Jesus, all of our sins are given to him and we're forgiven and his righteousness is given to us and we're made righteous so that from that moment on, we're beautiful to God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace. The hostility ceases. No longer children of wrath, children of God. With God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the really key to understanding is if we're justified by faith, well, what is saving faith? And listen, saving faith really is, it's, it's as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. And listen, if, if you've never been justified by faith, if you've never received eternal life, won't you? I mean, you can now. One day it'll be too late. Don't wait until it's too late. I mean, I could help you now. I'll help you as we close in prayer. But, but saving faith begins when we admit. Jesus, I've sinned against you. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Saving faith is we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. Saving faith is committing, trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. Forgive me. It is so good to be forgiven. Wouldn't you like to be forgiven? Won't you ask him? Jesus, give me eternal life. It's so good. I did a funeral yesterday. It's so good to know where I'm going. Don't you want to know? Won't you receive him? Oh, Jesus, help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? Oh, and if you have, don't you love the gospel? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the hostility has ceased. We're at peace. Oh, back in 2 Timothy, the gospel means grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for showing me grace, mercy. Thank you for showing me mercy. Thank you for peace. Verse 1, the promise of life. Lord, thank you for life that's abundant and eternal. The gospel is so precious. That's why Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, so we would guard it and suffer for it and continue in it and preach it to others. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. Do you know that Paul is in prison? Do you know that all of his friends have left him? And he says, Oh, Timothy. It would mean everything to me if you would come visit me. If you would come visit me, you would bring me joy, and I would give you joy. 
don't you love being with God's people? It was Wednesday this week, and I go out to lunch, and I see a lady in our church who I've not seen since COVID happened. You know what happened when she saw me? She began to weep. I hope it's not because of how bad I look. She was so glad to see me, and I was so glad to see her, and she brought me joy, and I brought her joy. Are we like that with Sunday? Oh, man. We get to gather as a family in a hostile culture to see our family and brothers and sisters and be encouraged and encouraged. I love my small group. We gather together. They bring me joy. I give them joy. We live in a hostile culture. Paul's in prison. He says it would mean everything in the world to see your face. Are we like that? I mean, is this the best time of the week? We can't wait to be together, to receive joy and give joy. Do you know some people in here have had a hard week? Man, don't you come because you want to bring them joy? Man, have you had a hard week? Isn't that why we gather so we can get joy from others? Um, For I am mindful of the sincere, sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it's in you as well. I love that. Multi-generational, right? Three generations, Lois and Eunice and, and, and then Timothy. Wow. Uh, three generations, right? And um, I want you to know that Lois and Eunice and, and Timothy, they lived in a, in a very unique time in human history. Uh, I know I've shared with you before, but it's like the Continental Divide. You know what the Continental Divide is in our country, Right? It's that place where all the water that that lands that falls west of the Continental Divide goes into the Pacific Ocean, right? And then everything that lands east of that goes into the Atlantic Ocean. So there's this Continental Divide in the Bible between the Older and the Newer Testament. And all the believers in the Older Testament, and this is so important, people in the Older Testament were saved by their faith in Christ. But they were saved by looking ahead. They looked ahead to the day the Savior would come. But we live on the other side of the continental divide, and we look back. We look back to see Jesus who lived and died and rose, and we trust Jesus who has lived, and that's how we're saved. But Lois and Eunice and Timothy, they lived, what, right there on it, right? They started their life, what, on one side, and they ended their life, what, on the other. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Then on Paul's first missionary journey, about 48 A.D., he comes to Lystra where they were. And it seems like Lois, Eunice, and Timothy all heard the gospel at the same time. And you know what they did together? They stepped over the continental divide and went from looking forward to looking back. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Um, By the way, it's much better to look back, you know. I mean, some of you are old enough to know what a Polaroid picture looks like, right? I mean, you know, you take it, but you can't see it very clearly, right? And then it comes, what, more and more and more, and then you see, there it is. And that's what it was like for them. They, they knew about it, but then they saw Jesus. Oh, <clears throat> for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What is that? Listen, Timothy was an ordained gospel minister. He had been ordained. He had been set apart. 
You see, when Jesus ascended into heaven, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to his church. He gave gifts to his church. And and in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we read, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. So the apostles and the prophets, they gave us the Newer Testament, the foundation of the church. The church is built on the witness of the apostles and prophets and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. So one of the gifts that Jesus has given to his church is an ordained gift of ordained gospel ministers. Paul was an apostle. Timothy was a pastor-teacher. I've been ordained as a pastor-teacher, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, I want you to know what my purpose is and what your purpose is, okay? Listen carefully. Why did God give pastor teachers to do all the, serve, the work? No, notice, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. What I'm called to do is to equip you, to equip you to discover your gifts and abilities so you could use your gifts and abilities to build the church. So how does ordination happen that, that I felt called to the ministry, called to give my life to the gospel ministry. So did Timothy. So there's an inner calling, but then there's an outer calling. There's the confirmation of the body. What, what happens when people laid their hands on me, they were saying, we believe this man is gifted. He's called and gifted for the gospel ministry. And so that's what had happened to Timothy. And notice what Paul says. <clears throat> um, He says, to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes we kind of lose our joy, right? And we lose our enthusiasm. He says, remember, Timothy? Remember what it was like? Remember what it was like when you were first ordained and you first began to preach the gospel? Remember that? Kindle that afresh. (laughs) How do we do that? (laughs) Listen, I've been at this for a long time, but... But every week before I speak, I I pray, Lord, kindle afresh the gift you've given me. Help it not to get old. Help it not to be stale. Help it to be new. And you know how else we use? We kindle afresh. We use our gifts. God has gifted us that we might use our gifts to serve others. And listen, every Christian is not ordained to, to be a pastor teacher, but we're all gifted for service. We've all been gifted. Do we know what our gift is? Are we continually praying to kindle afresh the gift given to us? Oh, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, as each one has received a special gift. Come on, man. It's, it's your birthday. You want to open your gift, right? It's Christmas. You want to open up what's under the tree. Each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another. We've been given gifts for the good of the body, not to be worn, to be used in the body, to kindle afresh the gift that's in us. That's why it's so important we come together because we're gifted to serve in the body. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There's this great variety of gifts. We're all gifted differently. And when we come together, we're the body of Christ. Uh, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. So some are gifted in speaking. They can sing. They're they're evangelists. They, They can preach or teach. Some people have speaking gifts. But notice this, whoever serves... 
is to do so as the one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Some people are gifted in mercy and helps and administration. They'd rather serve than speak. Imagine when people who speak and people who serve, imagine what happens when they serve together. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Uh, Listen, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit has given you a gift. Do you know what it is? Do you kindle it afresh? Are you using it to build up the body? Verse 4, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. We started by saying Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. And listen, Paul's saying the Holy Spirit is not a spirit of timidity. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit of of cowardice and timidity. Instead, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power and love and discipline. Um, um, Listen, the Holy Spirit gives different gifts to people, but every believer is given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have all been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Now, I want you to notice three things in that verse. First of all, I want you to see you've received power, okay? And the power is in a person. See the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. We believe there's one God who exists eternally in three persons. And when we say a person, the Holy Spirit has a mind and can think, has emotions and can feel, has a will where he chooses People often talk about it. The Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. So there's power in a person for a purpose. See three Ps there? Listen, you've been given power. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power in a person for a purpose so that we could be His witnesses. Um, And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. As I'm reading through the Newer Testament with you, I'm also reading through the Bible. And one of the things that strikes me is how often the Holy Spirit is talked about in the Older Testament. But in the Older Testament, the Holy Spirit seems to only come upon the prophet and the priest and the king, a few people. But the promise in the Newer Testament is the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all of God's people. That we've all been empowered to be His witnesses where we live and where we work and we, where we play. We can do it. We can do it. We can share our faith. We can win people to faith in Christ because we've been given the spirit of power and love. We've been given the spirit of, the, the spirit of love, right? Oh. In 1 John 4, 19, we read, We love because He first loved us. Listen, we can only love when we've been loved. And we can only love to the extent that we've been loved. And when we understand how loved we are, the Holy Spirit produces in us a love for others. I mean, a disciple loves Jesus. We love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved us. And disciples love one another. We love one another because Jesus first loved us. And a disciple loves lost people. We love lost people because he first loved us. This week, I'm meeting with a couple, and they've been praying for a long time to share their faith with another couple. And they said, hey, let's go out to eat. And the couple picked a restaurant in Flagler Beach. And you know what he said to me? He said, smiley, when you understand the gospel, 
that Jesus crossed the universe to rescue us. It's just not a big deal to drive 30 miles, isn't it? You see, when we've been loved, we can love. So the Holy Spirit given to us is, it is a spirit of power, power to be His witnesses, a power of love, that we could love Jesus and love one another and love the lost, uh, and, and a power of discipline, uh, the power of discipline. Um, why don't lost people follow Jesus? Hmm. You know why? There's two reasons. You know why lost people don't follow Jesus? They don't want to, and they're not able to. The two reasons lost people don't follow Jesus is they don't want to, and they're not able to. So you know what happens to us when we believe in Jesus? We're given the Holy Spirit. Why? To give us the want to and the ability to follow Jesus. Listen, the Holy Spirit isn't called the Holy Spirit because He's holier than the Father. <laughs> no, no, He's called the Holy Spirit because He's given to make us holy. When the Holy Spirit moves in, He changes our want to so that things we didn't want to do, now we do. And listen, He gives us the ability to follow Jesus. You know what the Holy Spirit loves to do is to exalt Jesus. Do you see Jesus? Do you love Him? Do you see the beautiful life He lived? Follow Him. The Holy Spirit's always saying, Jesus is wiser than you are. Follow Him. Jesus knows the path to happiness better than you. Follow Him. So, what we've learned is that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. What we've learned is we live in a time of moral and theological confusion. Uh, we live in a time of apostasy where people are, are wandering away from the faith. And, and Jesus wants to push us out into the deep end of the pool. And He's given us the Holy Spirit so we can swim, so we can guard and suffer and continue and preach the gospel. We've been given the Holy Spirit, so it's important we learn how to walk by the Spirit, to walk in power and love and discipline. So that brings us to our action step for this week, which is exactly that, is to walk by the Spirit. I, I, I want to teach you how to walk by the Spirit, okay? Um, in Galatians 5, and if you have your Bible, you might want to turn there. This is such a good passage. In Galatians 5... Verse 16, we read, but I say, walk by the Spirit, that's what we want to learn to do, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So it's important for you to understand when you were born, installed on your hearts was an operating system called the flesh. When you were born, there was an operating system installed on your heart called the flesh. It was our original sinful nature, and you can spot the flesh because the flesh says, I am wiser than Jesus. And the flesh says, I know the path to happiness better than Jesus. That's how you recognize the flesh. I'm wiser than Jesus. I know the path to happiness better than Jesus. But the moment you were born again, you were given a new operating system. The Holy Spirit was installed in your heart. How do you recognize the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit says, Jesus is wiser than you are. That Jesus knows the path to happiness better than you do. And so as Christians, we have two operating systems, the old and the new. And the old never goes away. The new is more powerful, but there's a conflict between the two. That's why he says, for the flesh 
sets its desire against the Spirit. There's a war going on inside of us, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So I want you to understand how I've learned to walk by the Spirit. My flesh never goes away, but I've learned to live life with a 10-second delay. I've learned to live life with a 10-second delay because the Spirit is more powerful than the flesh, but my flesh is way faster than the Spirit. My first response to every situation is always wrong. My first response to every situation is always wrong, so I wait for the Spirit and take the second step, not the first. And you say, illustrate, well, like most sunny mornings, I'm out front waiting people, and you know what I say? I see members of our church park in the guest parking spot. (laughs) And you know what my first response isn't? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, they're here. My first response is, I can't believe they're parking in a guest parking spot. And I want to give it to them. And then the Spirit whispers in my ear, you know, smiling, perhaps you've done something worse already today than that. And you know what I've learned? What I need to be is to walk by the Spirit and say, listen, we are so glad you're here. So, so glad you're here. I'm learning. Listen, I'm out to lunch with someone. I want to share the gospel with them. But the flesh is always saying, they're not interested. They're not interested. Don't do it. Don't do it. They're going to laugh at you. But the Spirit says, go ahead. Listen, people are way more interested to receive Christ than we are to share Him. Go ahead, you can do it. So I've learned, and I encourage you, the battle between the flesh and Spirit is ongoing for our whole life. But let's live life with a 10-second with a delay. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, listen to this. Again, how do we spot the flesh that that I'm wiser than Jesus? I know the path to happiness better than Jesus. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. When we have these great ideas to get involved in sex outside of marriage, we know that's of the flesh and not of the spirit. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. When I'm thinking about giving it to that person who parked in the wrong spot, listen, that's the flesh. It leads to all kinds of conflict. Envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, that's the flesh. But listen to the Spirit. This is so good. Oh, what would our lives be like if we walked by the Spirit? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The Holy Spirit says, look at Jesus. Isn't that the way you want to live? You've been loved. Love. Joy. Look at Jesus. He knows the past, the happiness better than you do. He wants to raise your joy, not diminish it. Follow Jesus. He's the joy giver. Peace. Oh, he's the peacemaker. Follow Jesus. (laughs) Um, Patience. Oh, do you see how patient Jesus is with you? Be patient. Follow him. Kindness, goodness. Do you see how kind he is? Do you say how? Don't you want to live like that? Walk by the Spirit. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Oh, aren't you glad he's faithful? Aren't you glad he can't lie? Man, listen, he's faithful. Be faithful. Faithfulness is a beautiful thing. It'll make you happy. Self-control. Gentleness. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have 
Jesus, I've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, remember, when you became a Christian, we admitted we're sinners, we believed in Christ, and we committed, Jesus, come in, I want to follow you. So never forget, when you became a Christian, you said, Jesus, you lead, I follow, because I believe you can uh, lead my life better than me. But here's what I want you to get. Most people miss this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, what he's saying here, if we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. He's moving from the greater to the lesser. He says, you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And the Holy Spirit spoke, and you were raised from the dead. If Jesus, if the Holy Spirit can raise you from the dead, then he supplies everything we need to walk by the Spirit. When you're thinking, I can't do this, remember, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit has raised you from the dead. And if He can raise you from the dead, listen, to walk by the Spirit, if He can raise me to the dead, listen, then I can walk in His power and be a witness for Jesus Christ. I can't He raise me from the dead. Listen, if He raised me from the dead, He can empower me to love difficult people. He can because He raised me from the dead. Listen, he, he raised me from the dead. He can enable me to overcome sin and follow Jesus. There's nothing he can't do. He raised me from the dead. So be encouraged and walk by the Spirit. Uh, one last thing. Let me ask you, who do you know who needs to hear what we learned today? Who do you know who's really, really struggling to love someone in their life? Wouldn't they love to hear what you, we learn? Won't you go to them and say, hey, you know why it's so hard to love them? Because we don't want to, and we're not able to. But do you know what Jesus said he would do? Jesus said if we believed in him, he would not only forgive us, but he would give us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would give us the desire and, and love people we could never love on our own. Who do you know who's struggling with something in their life? It could be alcohol or drugs or temper, and they're saying, it's just so hard, I can't change. Wouldn't they love to know what you heard today? Won't you share with them? You know why it's so hard to change? Because you don't want to, and you're not able to. You know what you need? You need Jesus. When you believe in Jesus, He not only forgives us, He gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power of God moving into us to change our want to. When our want to is changed and we're given the ability to change, people really can change. Oh, want some good news? Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we've been raised from the dead? Aren't you glad we've been raised from the dead? So listen, this week, let's walk by the Spirit. Let's walk in power. Let's walk in love. Let's walk in discipline. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to save sinners so that sinners could experience grace and mercy and peace. Listen, if, if you've never received eternal life, if you've never received Jesus, if you'd like grace and mercy and peace, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And, and I want you to come in and forgive me and, and give me eternal life and 
Help me be the person you want me to be. Uh, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. Listen, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We love to celebrate with you or tell someone. Oh, and Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you. We thank you that not only have we been forgiven, but you've given us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, welcome. Holy Spirit, thank you for raising us from the dead. Lord, this week, help us to walk by the Spirit. Help us to walk with a 10-second delay. Help us to walk in power, knowing that we can share our faith. Lord, help us this week to walk in love, realizing that we've been raised from the dead, and the power that raised us from the dead is at work in us that we can love others the way we've been loved. And Lord, help us this week to walk in discipline. Lord, many of us are struggling with with sins and, and things in our life. And so, Holy Spirit, change our want to. Give us the desire to follow Jesus. Give us the desire to overcome sin. And Holy Spirit, give us the ability. Help us this week to walk in discipline. Help us this week to follow Jesus. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.